This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cutmore. It's a pleasure to welcome Eddie Watt to the program. He's historian in the town of Palatine in Montgomery County. How you doing, Eddie? I'm doing well. How are you? Okay. Eddie Watt is representative of a trend. Uh, recently, the uh, Daily Gazette newspaper reporter Kyle Adams uh, did a piece about young historians. Uh, my understanding is Eddie Watt's 25, but again, he's historian in the uh, town of Palatine. How did that come to be? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a quick thing that happened. Um, I have, over time, given tours to friends who have come and visited me here um, from as far away, even as, as Bangladesh. I had a friend come visit me from college. Um, and I would give them tours about the area, not just Palatine, but Canada Harry, and talk about the history here, and, and going pretty far back. Um, and most recently, I started, I started to kind of get... Um, I don't know what the word I would use exactly. I think I'm frustrated with with myself in a way because I, I really wanted to be able to give more to the community. But of course, you know, I'm I'm a fairly recent college grad, so you know, donating a large sum of money or or building something in town is not really something I can do at the moment. So I wanted to do something that uh, was low cost that I could give back. So I started giving historical tours around town, and um, you know, they were. They were as good as, as I, of course, tried to, to make them, but I guess they were good enough that uh, it caught the interest of um, some people here in the area, and I was asked if I would like to be a historian. Hmm. Well, I'm glad they asked, and I know there are other people, and we're going to talk with uh, others on this uh, podcast who are who are young and interested in history. The, the, the first thought, I think, sometimes uh, people have about it is, gee, you're not, you're not old enough to do this. Do you, do you ever get that as a question? Uh, yes, I have heard that before. Um, I think the best follow-up to that was something a friend of mine had said. And they said, uh, well, you know, why don't we just forget about all history, you know, 100 years or so ago because no one's still alive or remembers <laughs> it. You know, so history is not, it's, it's something living, even if it's past, but it's it's also a story, which means that it's something that we can read. It's something we can tell to other people. It's just not, it's not a story in the sense of, of course, a fiction that you're going to read and make up in your imagination. You've got to be true to the facts. Well, um, I'll, I'll of, oh, ask sorry, you about ahead. the, uh, I'll ask you about the, the, the tour. Um, and let's say I just, uh, breezed into town. Give me a little tour of Palatine. Um, so usually I start, I, I, I it depends on the weather. I usually start in the village of Palatine. Um, there are some sites out in the town that I, I do occasionally go uh, and show people by car. Um, but, of course, sometimes the weather isn't, isn't so great uh, or doesn't compromise. I have, uh, for instance, a few friends that I grew up with here, and their families still own land outside in Palatine and happen to own some land that, that belonged to some families here that were here for a very long time and helped build up the area. Um, but I do, I do some crossover. Uh, so I talk about Palatine. Uh, usually I start with the Stone Lodge, which is right on Five. Um, it's basically an old um, hotel of sorts, which is now unfortunately falling apart. It's not quite as, as uh, bad as the Wagner House, but it's you know pretty much in disarray at this point. Uh, and I talk about some of the, the various things here. Uh, my neighbor, for instance, runs an inn here in, uh, in Palatine that his father built uh, many years ago. He's now 88, my neighbor. Um, I tell the story about how his his uh, 
father and uncle ran a car dealership down the road, which is still there. It's not a dealership anymore. It's just a garage. Um, and I talk about some of the stuff from Canada Juhari as well. For instance, my neighbor, when uh, he was a child growing up during the Depression, uh, Mohawk Street in Canada Juhari was lined with shops that were often referred to as Little Italy. Uh, so you could go down the street and not hear a word of English being spoken. So mm. a lot of really interesting things about that. I have to no. talk about it. Sorry, you know what? No, I was just going to, you know, ask a question. Like I'm on the tour. Where does where does the name come from, Palatine? Uh, Palatine. So Palatine itself comes from a group of settlers who came here uh, from Europe uh, quite a ways back. Um, so there's there's a, a couple different things there. So it's not just Palatine itself. There's Palatine Bridge. So I, I live within Palatine Bridge. Um, so Palatine like I said, came from the you know, European settlers who came here originally and settled this land. But Palatine Bridge comes from kind of a, it's an interesting fact, um, you know, a lot of people on that find it significant, but I, I kind of like it, is that uh, Palatine Bridge was named for a bridge built here, if one might guess, uh, in around 1798. Uh, and it was the first bridge to span the Mohawk west of Schenectady. And for a lot of people, it might not seem significant, but considering that it's still a small town to this day, and that was, at the time, the frontier. It was kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, it wasn't Amsterdam was... that spanned it first, which is a much bigger area. It was Palatine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Palatine Bridge is one of two villages there, right? There's the village of Nelliston? Yes, there's the village of Nelliston as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, this just a moment ago, but l- let me ask you specifically about a well-known historic site in Palatine Bridge that unfortunately, I believe, has gone to rack and ruin, and it's the Webster-Wagner House. Uh, what is that house, and who was Wagner? Okay, so uh, basically, Webster-Wagner was a railroad magnate and uh, a New York State politician for many years. Uh, there's actually a square named after him in Canada Harry, although there's very few people who still remember it being called Wagner Square. Um, now, Wagner had invented the precursor to the Pullman sleeper. So if you're not aware of what that is, it's the, basically the cart that you're going to sleep in if you're staying overnight on a train. Um, and he did it very well for himself. So the house was actually designed by a famous architect of the day, uh, Horatio Nelson White. Uh, one of the things I'm hoping to do, actually, is reach out to a few uh, colleges that teach architecture and hopefully maybe get, get a lead on getting the original specs of the house, at least to put into the archives of the town. Um, so the house fell out of family ownership uh, many years ago. Um, it was owned by a couple that took very good care of it. Um, afterward, it fell into the hands of another family that unfortunately didn't keep as, as good a care of the house, and it is now being torn down. Um, so it's, it's, it is kind of a, a travesty, but uh, one of the interesting things I'll bring up about Wagner as well is that uh, while he was very involved in the railroad, he ironically died in a horrific train crash in the Bronx uh, during the 1800s. Wow. Um, I, I did see that um, online. And it's too bad that we've lost the uh, Webster-Wagner house. But, but it is hard with all these uh, older buildings of you know, some significance and uh, places that you know, it's kind of hard to get them, the money to keep them up. Yes, that's, that's one of the, the tough parts of this area is that there are a lot of people who are very passionate about where they live, but there's unfortunately, there's not a lot of money flowing in. You know, there's not a huge tax base. You know, we don't have the same businesses that you're going to get down in Albany or even with Utica now being built up with Nanotech. Um, 
So a lot of these older homes, grand as they may be, have started to fall into disrepair. And, you, you know, really when they get fixed up, it's a labor of love, if anything. Mm. Um, you told uh, Kyle Adams of the, of the Gazette uh, that you want to um, do what's, what's, what's called public history, I believe. Is, is that so? And, and what, is, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I think if, uh, if, I, if I catch what you're, what you're referring to, is that I, I talked to him about a project that I came up with um, called Every House of History, and I recently presented the idea to the town. And the idea behind it was, you know, if you, if you wanted to learn about history traditionally, you know, you go, you dig through the archives, you ask people for old documents, which is all still very important to do. But at the same time, you know, you have to look at it and say, like we spoke about before, that uh, there are still people who remember walk, uh, walking around in town and seeing Kennedy come to visit. So the idea is that there's still people here that remember a great deal of the historical significance of the area. Whether they met someone or they were here for a particular building or event, you know, something like that. And I think that what's important now is to sort of get a cross-section of the people that are here. It's almost the way I try to describe to people. You know, if you go down into Canada, Harry, there's a gorge there. Um, you can look at all the, the various layers of sediment rock laid out. And each layer is its own little slice of history. So the project, in a way, is taking, like I said before, a cross-section of the people who are here now, whether they've been here for six months or several decades, and giving them the chance to tell their story, you know, rather than, you know, you could look at a census and say, okay, this person lived here in this year, but it doesn't tell you what they did. It doesn't tell you how it was for them to raise their kids here or to work here or to try and, and make life better here. Um, and I think that having a project like this gives people the opportunity to tell their story and certainly gives a more personal context to the, the details that you can find in any kind of historical report. One um, aspect of, uh, of life, I guess you'd say, that uh, younger historians such as yourself are much more comfortable with, uh, with than older, uh, those older people is of the electronic media. And I believe, uh, well, how, how do you use social media, uh, the electronic media, in, in your work on history? Well, a lot of it comes down to research right now. Um, we have a very unfortunate situation in, in our area where a lot of young people leave. Um, so it hasn't quite become the tool that you know, one would hope it would be um, just yet. You know, it's one of the things that's actually online right now um, on Facebook is a group called uh, Kennedy Harry, the Good Old Days. And it's not something I created, it's something that um, some of the people in the area made and it's become kind of a hub for people to post any sort of pictures or stories they come across from growing up in this area. And so that's, that's a key example of, of what you can do with social media. Um, but, of course, beyond social media, what you can do is you have a lot of uh, access to information you didn't have before, which is the Internet in general. You know, you can chase leads a lot more um, diligently, I believe, than, than you possibly could before. You know, you have not just the Internet, but you have email along with that, cell phones. There's a lot of, of different ways to keep in communication with people, even though their family might have left this area many years ago. Mm. I didn't ask you specifically, are, are, have you always lived there? Or, I mean, you said you went to college, but did you grow up in uh, Palatine and uh, the village of Palatine Bridge? Um, I grew up in Palatine Bridge. Uh, my family actually moved here from New York City in uh, no, could say 1993. Um, so I was about two, two and a half at the time. And, uh, so this is really all I've known. We spent a lot of time, of course, going back to New York City, 
Um, but this is really where, of course, I grew up. So one of the things, of course, with being a historian is that I, this for me is, is, a, is a passion. You know, I, I can't look around at a plot of land or a house and say, oh, that's where my ancestor lived because I can't, I can't say that. If I trace my ancestors back there in Chicago, New York City, or Ireland, and that's pretty much it. Mm. This is a, a complete fishing expedition on my part. But I do know, that, and, and I'm blanking on her name, but there was a well-known folk artist who moved, I believe, up to your area from New York City. The reason being uh, the attacks in uh, 2001, because um, I believe she lost uh, uh, close relatives in that, or, or they had just escaped. Was that any part of the thinking in your family moving up here? Um, no, we left. Uh, my father decided to move us up here when he found work uh, upstate, and you know we came up here. My my parents eventually did split, and my mother took over the house, and here we stayed. Um, mm. It wasn't it wasn't anything to do with that. In, in fact, I think uh, before we were going to leave, uh, my parents had wanted to go tour some some places in New York City because my siblings were all still young. And of course, when you live in an area, you, you don't tend to go see the the sites. Um, mm. They wanted to go see, you know, the Empire State Building, uh, Statue of Liberty, all those things before we left. But there was the the terror attack in New York shortly before we moved up here, so that actually that it didn't come into into uh, the decision of moving up here, but it was something that happened shortly before we did. We're talking with uh, Eddie Watt. We're just about uh, out of time. Eddie Watt, twenty five, is the town historian of the town of Palatine. Lives in the village of Palatine Bridge. Yeah, is there any way people can access some of your uh, some of your work, either uh, online or, or otherwise? Well, I don't have uh, anything up yet. Uh, one of the things that people can do is they can go to the uh, town website, which is uh, townofpalatine.org. Um, there is a link for history, and there's actually a wealth of essays that were written by one of the previous historians, Skip Barstad, um, and he's he's very very knowledgeable about the area. I have quite a bit to catch up on from him, but that's something people can look at if they want something right now. Uh, I'm hoping to have some things up over the course of this year, of course. Um, but uh, eventually, if people, of course, want to contact me, if they have any information, they've lived here, they know somebody's lived here, they have some some piece of history they'd like to share with me, they can also reach me um, at ewatt at townofpalatine.org. ewatt at townofpalatine.org, right? Well, Eddie Watt, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you. Best of luck in all your uh, history endeavors, and have a good day. Okay, thank you very much. We continue on The Historians with Abby Kretzer in Ephrata, another young historian, if you will. I understand that Abby's 22 years old. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Thank and you. You live in Ephrata, and this you uh, it maybe is your first kind of assignment uh, in history, because of a relative of yours who's been serving as the town historian. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, my Aunt June, she's been the historian for probably 20, like 20 years. Um, she got a hold of me, and she needed some help um, going through some of the historical society's um, materials, like everything that they have in their collection. Um, and she wanted to go through it and kind of organize everything and see, go through our old records of what, our index of what we had and see what we've, if anything we've lost and if anything's been damaged and 
to make sure um, everything stays nice and um, preserved. Okay. So you worked on that with her? Yes. Yeah. You got, that's a, a must be a daunting task for every uh, town or city or village historian, just uh, keeping track of the record. Oh, yeah. It was a big, huge table stacked high with books and newspaper clippings and folders and all sorts of things. Mm. And this was some years ago. It was, it was three or four years ago, was it not, you did this? Yeah, I was a senior in high school. Mm. And then when you went to college, I understand you went to SUNY Potsdam, you yes. studied history and museum studies. Yes. So you have your degree in that. And yep. is uh, and, oh, and it says you're a graduate degree in library studies concentrating on archival work. What kind of work are you doing now uh, in, in that area, or what do you hope to do? I'm hoping to work in an archives or in a library, um, and hopefully somewhere locally where I can still stay um, with, like, the Fulton County history, and especially Ephrata. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me phrase this, phrase this delicately. It sounds like maybe you haven't got such a position yet. No, I'm still looking. Every place you need, you need the master's degree. I've looked at you need <laughs> the um, library and information studies or some sort of degree like that. Mm -hmm. And you're working on that, are you not, or, or no? Yeah. You, you are? Yeah, I'm in my first semester right now. Oh, so it's it's an ongoing process. Yeah. But but the newspaper article about the young historians indicated that uh, you're you're hoping or you're thinking that maybe you will, uh, if you stay in Ephrata, uh, kind of uh, take over when your uh, aunt stops being the town historian. Yes, that is that's kind of been the plan um, since I became the deputy historian. It's if anything happens to Aunt June, there's somebody there that knows what's going on, knows where everything is, that can step in and continue the work. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you about Ephrata. Been there. I've gone to Saltzman's. That's in Ephrata, right? Yep. I live right down the road. Saltzman's a famous uh, restaurant, and, and at one point it was a hotel, was it not? Um, yep. It was, It's. I think... One of the oldest continuously run hotels, restaurants in New York State, actually. Mm -hmm. And our other guest on this podcast was Eddie Watt, the uh, young historian of the town of Palatine. He's 25. And I gather that there's a link between the two towns. Ephrata was created from the town of Palatine, wasn't it? Um, yep. I think it was in the early 1800s, um, we kind of separated from Palin, the town of Palatine. And do you know why it's called Ephrata? Yes. Um, a man named Anthony Beck um, named the town. Um, he apparently could see the future, and he had a vision of this big, wealthy city, um, and he named with, like, farms and lots of industry. So he named it Ephrata because um, that comes, it's from the Bible, and it means abundance and bearing fruit. And so I guess he 
named it Euphrata because he thought it was going to be abundance of everything. How about that? Well, I, I don't mean to be snide, but it doesn't seem like that's happened, though, does it? No. <laughs> We're quite small right now, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's uh, a beautiful part of the of the country up in uh, up in Fulton County. Uh, what are um, some of the, you know, um, I don't know, uh, you worked on all that history with your uh, Aunt uh, June. What what are some of the historic events that have taken place in Ephrata? Um, Let's see. We have, I think one of the biggest things for the town of Ephrata is the Padre Indian site. Um, and that, I think, around the 70s, maybe the 80s, um, they were finding... Um, Indian arrowheads, mm-hmm. and um, a couple archaeologists actually came, and they had a great big, they had a dig, and they mapped out everything, and they took a lot of, I think they actually took quite a few artifacts that they found. I'm not exactly sure where they went to. I'm assuming they went to um, the New York State Museum somewhere in Albany, mm-hmm. hopefully, um, but that, I guess, was the big um, draw. There were a lot, I mean, there's two or three Indian sites within the town of Ephrata. Um, okay. So oh, you, that was you a had said big... Indian site. I, I thought you said fight as in, as in a battle. It wasn't that so there much as this is... There were a couple is... of those, too. Okay. Um, I think there was, um, around the um, Revolutionary War... The Mohawk or a group of Mohawk Indians raided the town of Ephrata, mm-hmm. and they kill they scalped and killed multiple people who um, actually were trying to get out of the town to I think Pal- into like Palatine where they could into one of the churches or where they could find safety, mm-hmm. um, and they were scalped and killed, and I think a couple of Indians were killed, but not many. Mm-hmm. Also, I was, uh, went to Wikipedia, the great source of things, and it said that a Wisconsin state assemblyman came from Ephrata, John Dwight Bullock. I do not know him, but I, I have seen that. I'm going to have to ask about that. Yeah. Um. And you've been going to school for history, but maybe more, you know, in addition to studying history, you're studying, would you say, historic preservation. I'm just curious, what are some of the topics that you cover in uh, getting the degrees such as you have and the uh, degree that you're trying to get? Well, I've studied in, at Potsdam, I studied how to um, take care of, paintings and materials and such, and how to create exhibits, the research that goes into um, making up information boards and how to um, set, up a, set up an exhibit so that it's like appealing to the eye and how when you walk into a room, you tend to look to the left first. Mm-hmm. So trying to like put something eye-catching to the left and then making sure you draw your attention throughout the room. Um, 
and also how to handle the different things, how to handle paintings and different vases and you um the any type of thing that you could come in contact with, you always have to make sure to wear um, your cotton gloves so your uh, the oils on your fingers don't degrade anything. And you try not to wear anything, like pointy jewelry or anything that could catch or... And then my degree now, I'm learning more about how, what an archive kind of is and how they go about getting materials, how they get a, go about um, digitizing. Now, right now I'm doing like how they're just starting to learn how they did starting to digitize collections. Mm-hmm. And all that goes into that with putting the things into a database and all the information that goes along with it. And um, how to keep track of thousands of papers and emails and different correspondence. Mm. The uh, digital age would seem to me is, you know, it's a, it's really a big thing, you know, for ev- everything, mm-hmm. but in terms of history, I, I, guess, I guess I'm hopeful that it will make it easier to access history. I certainly have found that true on a personal level because I write history uh, columns for the Daily Gazette and it's much easier now to find, for example, newspaper ar- uh, archives or uh, c- actual copies of newspapers uh, and so forth online. And uh, But getting that stuff there is, uh, is a big process. Yes. Yes, it is. You have to um, you know, work on it, I would imagine, kind of constantly. Do you foresee a, 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 what you said? You, you uh, learned what an archive is. I mean, I use the word all the time, but what is it? I mean, what what is an archive? That is um, a tough question. I guess it's kind of dependent on a lot of different things. A lot of what I've kind of been reading about is that an archive is just like a place that holds knowledge. Like plain and simple, I guess that's like the black and white version. Um, you get into the murky area, I guess about what they keep in the, what they keep because depending on what they keep depends on what we know mm-hmm. and that kind of we don't know about the like um the people who lost per se we keep things that about the winners because that's what they want us to keep that's true yeah it is hard to to find the record of the of the defeated parties, you know, in yeah. war or many many other things, um, we're we're getting uh, kind of close to the end here. Um, I do also know I uh, work with you in the past. You did a project on Jewish history in Amsterdam for the Walter Elwood Museum. Yep, for the um, Temple of Israel Foundation. Okay, and what 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 did that involve? Um. The Congregation Temple of Israel Foundation donated um, materials from their temple to the Walter Elwood Museum, and I was hired to accession all the materials, research what I could about the people and the history of the of Jewish people in Amsterdam, and then create um, a museum exhibit um, showcasing that. Mm. 
Yeah, that was a very interesting and very worthwhile uh, process. Well, Abby Kretzer, I thank you for uh, joining us. Abby from Ephrata, uh, where she has been helping her aunt, who's the uh, town historian. Uh, t- tell her name again. I had a different name, I think, from what you're saying. It's Evelyn Frazier, but I call, we call her Aunt June. Oh, I see. Well, that's the confusion. Uh, and um, ultimately, Abby hopes to uh, work full-time in the field of, of history uh, and is now studying it. And you're still studying it at uh, SUNY Potsdam. I am done with SUNY Potsdam. I am now, I graduated in December. Mm-hmm. Um, I am now uh, going to school online at the University of Wisconsin. Well, Abby Kretzer, thank you for joining us. This has been The Historians. I'm Bob Cudmore.